How much of God is in your art? Writing is an intentional edit. I'm always looking for what people are not saying. I want people to feel something from the worlds that I build. These have all been quotes from our dear friend, Lindsay Adawa, who will be joining us in today's episode. She's an amazing creative writer, producer, and director. She just finished filming her first short film called Queen Parts, which should be airing next year. But aside from that, you can always find her on major publications like CBC, Global, Vice. She's just a great writer when it comes to culture and, um, you know, really breaking down what's happening around us. So, of course, that's what we'll be talking about today. Stay tuned. It's a bunch of laughter, as usual, and uh, some insights on how to get better with your craft. Just so you know, this is going to be a two-part series. So stay tuned for next week where we continue talking to Lindsay. You can find her writing at uh, um on Instagram and on any of the publications that I talked about before. Give her a read if you haven't heard of her yet, but you probably will. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. This is what it's like when you're on Lindsay's time. Phenomenal woman. Let's see what the audio sounds like. Uh, yeah, let's test it. Suffering energies, broken pockets, broken jeans. Wow, so we have started recording. Awesome. Uh, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> There's no music. Already yeah, some shit. How, how long are you going to be, like, fucking interrogating me? Can I no. start? Yeah, as yeah, much as you want. Yeah. I don't, like wait, let's try not to make this more than, like, an hour. No, we try. Cool. You can just grab me whenever. <laughs> let's do the rapid fire round right now. Okay. Okay? We don't have segments, we eh? So every to. time we'll it's try. like a new... We'll try and no, do it's not all fire. over the place. It's just... It's a gray space. We'll try and do rapid so, fire. Gotcha. We'll try. So there's no structure is what you're saying. No. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Um, wandering space. Wow. You guys are just... It's the only place that we're allowed to do that, though. Honestly. You know what I mean? True. Every place... Everywhere, everywhere else, else is so structured. Because, like, most of the podcasts I listen to, it's like, this is a segment where we're going to talk shit about Nicki Minaj. This is a segment where we're <laughs> yeah. going to, like, you know, talk about feelings. This or is like a segment. That. Yeah. <laughs> and they go in the booth with an hour in mind or however much time. Yeah, they don't because, do a lot of post-editing. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, okay. So, as you can hear, there are three voices here at the moment. Uh, it's Sarah, Gabby, Gabby and, and Queen Lindsay. Can you say your entire name for us, please? <laughs> the name is this? Lindsay Adawu. First of her name, Targaryen, yeah. I guess. House of Isle of Mississauga. Isle of, Isle of Mississauga. Yes. Mississauga. True. Mother of film. <laughs> Mother of film, okay. Speak it. Queen um, of... I was gonna say the fuckboys, but I don't want to. She manages them for you. Yes. 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 So we have an amazing lady in the room right now. Someone. Thank you. (laughs) Gabrielle tried to. I want everybody to like memorize and like tattoo my name in their mind Mm. and and also my voice. Well, they're gonna gonna see it in like 10, 15 years. So just wait. Yeah. I just I just want everyone to know that like I'm not Gabby and Gabby's not I. It doesn't sound similar. Try. Yeah, I think so. Who said that? I think we speak. Who said that? They say that about us too, so we have to find a differentiate. Oh, so not all black like... women. Not all black women sound the same. I have a little more bass in my voice, right? I sound like my Me? name is Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a little fourteen-year-old boy named Jamal. No, you don't. No, you that don't. Ass. That ass. Says who? You sound like a little Brazilian boy now. <laughs> 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 
change my name to Sango, please. And, oh, <laughs> so, as I was Sango, trying to say before, my name is Sango Capoeira. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing the tunes, right? Straight from Sao Paulo. <laughs> If she's from Sao Paulo, I'm from Ocho Rios, Jamaica. Like, <laughs> but um, anyways, we're trying, question, to this, we're trying to get this introduction in. We have a really amazing woman in the studio today, and her name is Lindsay Agawo. And if you don't know her name by now, you will know it soon. Yeah, wait on it. She's a close friend of Gabrielle, and she is a film and a visionary. And I feel like this time it's too soon to even put a title to it but let's just say there's a lot there's a lot but let's just say her expertise is in film stuff stuff (laughs) Stuff. she's working on it she's working on it stuff we're gonna need to like you're there's gonna have to be a title underneath your name like Mm. what you are creative director director writer i don't want to put a title i don't know I'm just a nigga. <laughs> no, but you're coming Imagine, from... no, 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 wait. Imagine you literally, Lindsay Adibu. Fuck, I'm just a nigga. <laughs> okay, yes. sure. You know what's funny? Like, total side note, like, I remember one time, I think it was last summer, that I was sitting in the park, like, in Trinity Bellwood, mm-hmm. okay, with some other filmmakers. And, um, I think it was Jenea Khan, um, mm-hmm. from Black Lives Matter Toronto, who yeah, was yeah. there with their partner. Mm-hmm. He came and sat down, she's like, oh, I saw black people. I'm like, I just want to talk to you guys. I'm like, okay, cool. So sit down, whatever. And like, they're introducing themselves and like, along with their partner. Mm. And so I was like, what's your thing? What do you do? Uh, Because Jenny was like, oh, I'm black, my matter, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, so the partner, like, what's your thing? She's like, I'm just a nigga. And then, like, lo and behold, every time I go to the Tiff Bell light box, that nigga is there running shit. And I'm like, you could have just said that you were in film. Who you were. But no. Don't type type past yourself. When would that just be enough, though? When you decide, listen. Know. If I ever get an Oscar or an Emmy or Golden Globe award, it'll say just the like. Hey what's your name? No, that's Aziz. I'm sorry. Aziz. Oh, Lena Waithe. Lena Waithe. Fire. I like the way she went up. Yep. But let's start there. What does community mean to you, in terms of your practice? Community. Explain racial community, sexuality. Everything. Everything. People who support you. So who do I find? Who do I get the most support from? Yes. Definitely black women. Um, it wasn't until, really? yeah, ironically enough, you know, yes, and okay, well, just, 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 <laughs> <laughs> she's trying to be a god right now. No, 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 no. your interjections, really? I appreciate your interjections, really? really. Okay, well, let me sit to you. Um, so basically, mm. um, I did, a, I did a program last year called Black Women Film, um, where it's basically you apply to the program and it's like a two week intensive learning, it's, it's a mentorship and leadership in film. Okay. So basically, we come in, we do some like exercises, we learn from people in the industry. Um, there's like Jennifer Holness, who is the producer and writer director at Hungry Eyes Film Television, mm. um, where she's done you know shows for CBC. She has a film called Home Again with uh, what's his face, uh, Stephen James, mm-hmm. or Stephen James, mm-hmm. uh, Tatiana Lee, mm-hmm. um, right? Okay. Yeah, everyone's Fresh like, oh, okay, Fresh got it. All right. So we don't know the man, but we know the woman. Yeah. And yeah. Well, the guy who played Jesse Owens in Race. Oh. Yeah, the young guy from Toronto. That's the one that Chantal was in, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So that, that makes sense now. Yeah, okay. um, so anyways, uh, she's done a bunch of that. There's a woman from the NFB, which is the National Film Board of Canada. There's a 
few different independent filmmakers and documentarians there, like Gabby, who's at Black Women's Gates mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alison Duke, who's another producer that I'm working with now, um, and a bunch of other people. Um, so anyways, like, it was a, it was really, I won't, shade no shade. <laughs> I didn't learn much shade. Mm. In terms really? of, like, I learned basic stuff like how to light. Right. But that's what I hear a, a lot about any type of programming in Toronto. You don't necessarily learn the skills because it's not necessarily programmed properly, but you have networks yeah. there yeah. that you can kind of tap so into. So I guess you know, and I think networks it's a, the main takeaway from that program was connecting with people mm-hmm. that you would otherwise not know of or not get the opportunity to connect with. So for mm-hmm. example, like Audrey Dwyer, she's a theater director and producer, and she's like mm-hmm. amazing at what she does. And she's such a, a beautiful soul. She was actually sitting in front of you at Black Women's Gaze, Gabby. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the short woman with the short-ish hair. It was probably to your right. Okay. Yes. But, uh, yeah, Audrey's like, she's Oh, so she's, oh, she was so cute. Yeah. The one to the right yeah. of, in front of, um, she's lovely. Ali- Alicia. Yep. Yes, oh, she's yeah, lovely. she's so cute. I love her. I love her. That's my mom. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know her, or but auntie, like, auntie, she's cute. She's auntie. Yeah, yeah. she's auntie. So like I yeah. saw that rock on her finger too. Yep. Jesus, she just got she just got married. Yeah. Okay. So congrats, Audrey. Yeah. I need uh, a visual, but right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, basically the program was a lot of like gleaning from these mentors mm-hmm. and finding out, poking their brains, or you know, um, really just seeing what they know about the industry, what they could offer us. Mm-hmm. Um, then talking about their practices, like their different focuses, like again, like Gaddy, Conte, George focuses on documentaries, especially overseas. Um, whereas like someone like Michelle Pearson Clark, who's a multimedia artist, she does like a lot of experimental films, like mm. the AGO kind of thing, mm. right? Deanna Bowen is another one too, who's an, another experimental uh, filmmaker, mm-hmm. who's also known throughout the city. Alison Duke does docs, again like you know, um, uh, Audrey Dar does theater, like different different things. So, but I, but I think that the main thing that I took away was again like connecting with people inside of the like the other mentees mm-hmm. because right. everybody was so different. It wasn't just strict yeah. filmmakers, um, spe- oh, like specifically like directors. It was right. like people of all disciplines. Yes, um, that's and, perfect. Right, you can and kind of pick and build your own. Exactly, exactly. Build your own team. And for me, like there was another girl too who doesn't really even do film. She was like a multimedia artist. Mm. Right? So she works with like, mixed media. Yes, disciplines come through. Right, Disciplinary yes. action. I love that. was like Ooh. digital media, graphic design, all this yes. shit. It was awesome. Dope. And like I fucks with her. She's so cool. Mm. Okay. If you don't know Ria Jama, you don't know. So yeah, it was like a lot of just picking people's brains and like seeing where they're at. Like mm. again, like at that time I considered myself just a writer. I hadn't really directed anything since school. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what, I'm trying to break into TV, not even film. But right. I'm interested in film. Yeah. Whereas some people are like, you know, I want to be a director of photography or a cinematographer. I want to be an editor, I want to be a documentarian, I want to be a journalist, mm. like random stuff like that. So you mm. kind of get to see where people's heads are at. Um, it also, too, like me, I'm really an open person, so I'm not fixed on any specific medium, and if I am, I'm not necessarily married to the traditional form of it. Mm. It's about so. the story. It's about the story, and it's about, like, the, for me, I realize now that I'm very visceral. Okay, yeah. Explain. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we're talking about screenwriting, right, in film or TV, they I've been told that there's two different types of writers, especially when it comes to sci-fi, fantasy, supernaturalism, because mm-hmm. it's a lot of world-building, right? So there are plot-driven characters or plot-driven stories where, for example, take, take Star Wars or Star Trek. The plot's already there, and you insert the characters in to fulfill the plot. Mm-hmm. And then there's character-driven it. stories mm-hmm. where it's like The Wire or 
something else where it's like you're following who the character is mm-hmm. and they drive the story oh, right yeah. so i'm thinking like okay well the best writers can combine the two where you care about the characters as equally as you care about the plot and the mm-hmm. world and the, the concept mm-hmm. right um but i realized in 2016 that i although i do care about that i also want people to feel something mm-hmm. from the world that i built and so for me when i create something or when i write something it's very feeling based yeah. like how does this what is the tone of this world like when it came to queen, creating queen of hearts it was like lemonade meets maleficent mm-hmm. like we get the tone first before we can get the sense of who people are because mm-hmm. that sets the the, that's the feeling that's the feeling that you can create characters off of right like mm-hmm. how do the characters fit into this world and then we can go from there right right, right. so for me it was like finding like-minded people like that mm-hmm. one other girl you know she wanted to create something um that was very like almost like a spiritually based thing and it was almost like the theme was like redemption and atonement and i was like okay well you should check out like the seven deadly sins we should check out this play because they yes. talk about that that kind of vibe and that mm-hmm. emotion that you're looking for right and you can like pull from different different things whether it's life whether it's text literature whatever um to add to dimension to your story kind of thing mm-hmm. and i feel like when you are open enough or when you find people who are open enough to are uh, be willing to open themselves to different types of source material then your, yeah. your stuff becomes that much richer yeah I agree. so like just Very being true. in that headspace of finding people who are like that i was mm-hmm. like i love this so yeah. much this is so cool <laughs> right so you would say that that was like kind of your growth yeah, I would say that kind of jump-started it. Um, but it's stuff that you were thinking about before. Oh, yeah. And, and oh, yeah, for sure. So and I, the thing is, too, is, like, I never... You don't really think that black women are thinking like that. You right. Should, yes. So. You're thinking, okay, maybe, like, J.J. Abrams. Yes. Right? You're, you're looking straight <laughs> at, at white bodies to kind of dictate those stories. Yeah. Because for so long, they've been able to govern that. And yeah. they've been able to produce on behalf of those stories. But we think about it, too. And a lot of it implicates us. And I feel like a That's lot of cool. it comes from us it does hello it does hello (laughs) true um so i have a question you kind of touched on it earlier but you said you considered yourself like is this still rapid fire sure Um, you considered yourself um a writer (coughs) first before you even tried to tap into anything and you wanted to create worlds and combine worlds and Mm -hmm. and, characters why writing why writing in yeah. general? In general, like what could I know why writing for myself? Mm-hmm. Okay. And even when we went to uh, writing while writing black while with Whitney black. French. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh right. When, was that when, good? Really it good. Was really good. Yeah. yeah. I like her. She's a too sh- quick. We need another yeah, one, Whitney. <laughs> but she was like, she asked a question like, "Why do you write?" Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very because you sometimes you just need to do whatever you need to do, mm-hmm. release or whatever. You pick something up and you just write it and you just put it away, but. I think, I don't want to say it's different for people who write as a means of survival mm-hmm. or like uh, making um, money or whatever, but mm-hmm. like, I know why I write, Sarah knows why she writes, I want to know why you write. Um, I think that it's the only thing I'm good at, to be honest, and I think that it's the only th- way I've known to express myself, because like I grew up yeah. very, yeah, I honestly, I'm not the best at like, iterating my feelings. Mm. <laughs> um, verbally. Verbally. Okay. Verbally. Okay. You know this. But pen to paper. Kind of, right? Kind of, kind of. But like, I've I feel gotten the smidges and the tastes and the backhands. I feel like we get the aftermath. We get the analysis. blown up in yeah. my face you the one time. <laughs> and you know, it, it kind of came back at me. Wow. But wow. <laughs> wow. in the past. Can wow. you guys set up a meeting to figure that out? Let's go. <laughs> uh, it's been 
dealt with. It's okay. been dealt with. So like, is but, he gonna squat? Are you gonna squat up or no? No, no. <laughs> it's one person. How can I squat up? It's just an individual. <laughs> squat an individual? Dead. Dead. <laughs> um, but yeah. So okay. Well, so I right. understand. You are, you're right because it's the only thing I'm really good at. Not you even, feel like but you're not good even, at. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's the only thing that I feel like I'm good at. It's the only way I really, really, really know how to express myself. Even to that, I feel like writing is very limited. So hmm. I feel like you're not a. Because again, like the English language in, in general, oh, okay. it's limited. Yeah. So there's only and it's the only language that I really speak. So it's just like I can't find the right words for this sometimes, and and that's where I feel like I made the transition to like the visual things. Because mm. there's something about a painting or a song or like, mm. the production of a song rather, or like you know, just a moving piece of imagery that speaks like to you. speaks to me and like is able to properly emulate how I feel. Whereas like in a way that you know. Writing just can't do. So like, you think other people found the words or the means to express it? It's more just and more just like a feeling and an understanding of themselves. Okay. Because I feel like writing again, like you can be fucking hemming away or Lily Cummins or mm-hmm. even Bell Hooks or Nikita Gill mm. or, or Nikki Giovanni or Audrey Lord. And again, there's only so much you can say. Mm-hmm. So again, like these these like in my Angela, these are people who again like have been game changers in their fields. Mm-hmm. But at the same time too, it's just like, okay, so what do you Right. You know, like, is there something deeper than what you can put on a page? Mm. So, mm. so you, so you oh, need a visual okay. kind of medium sometimes to take your words I think so. to another place. But that's not to say that words are not important or um, able to do that for you. Because sometimes, too, like, you can be reading something and visualize it in your mind. Yeah. And that's why they say that, you know, sometimes books, like, the book is always better than the film or the TV show. Because yeah. you're able to, the writer is able to create or paint a picture for you yeah. through words that you're able to, like, Clean from yes yeah. right and contextualize a little bit more yeah yeah and I think that the best writers are the ones who are provocative and are able to make you think and feel at the same time because mm-hmm. then it's like okay I'm I'm downloading this information that I'm reading and I'm like making it personal and yeah it's for my own personal truth mm-hmm. yeah. right I, I I mean this is like a complete like this whole saga was like an interesting way of me kind of coming into this fact that like I can actually like think about a book. In my mind, mm-hmm. as like a film, mm-hmm. it was the Twilight Saga. Don't, mm. don't, don't shake me. I remember. No, that's real. But I genuinely thing. Like <laughs> I started in grade eight, actually. But I genuinely read this whole book series, and then I watched the film, and I'm just like, I thought of this before it was visual, and the visual was just a confirmation of what I was thinking. thinking. But it was like the context and the richness mm-hmm. of the descriptions of the individuals and the fight scenes and everything it was just like oh shit like to see it manifest in the in the physical mm-hmm. it was like you're trying to do justice to the to the text, to the text but yeah. the visual just gave it that like next level and i think too the thing about well the way i see writing is that it has um it has a scale and there's something that people need to follow sometimes you can write something and people don't have enough context or enough back history or enough of not enough knowledge to understand what you wrote mm-hmm. so how do you make it so people are up to speed when you are writing or at least are prompted to learn a little bit more about things like yeah. black futurity yeah or Af- or 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 sci-fi like how, do they don't have, how do you make them yeah. interested it's a, it's yeah because that to, to me that's a little hard that's a little difficult to do you not, really just gotta be like in your own world and believe Mm-hmm. really because like I think that when it comes to creating worlds and concepts every world has a rule or mm-hmm. rules to right. it so it's like okay well for example like Lord of the Rings like 
you know, Mortar is a place, Middle Earth is a place, Sauron is a person. Like, yes. these are all things and people that have their own history and lineage that you have to create mm-hmm. in order to make it believable. Right. And I think that a lot of people confuse, when it comes to world building, I think that a lot of people confuse something being realistic versus being believable. Mm. So, for example, like, when you watch Star Trek, when you watch Star Wars, when you watch, um, any other sci-fi film it's like obviously that shit's not realistic mm-hmm. like you think there are orcs running around mm-hmm. and then there are hobbits in, in the world mm-hmm. obviously not but is it believable right yes. right i can understand this because of this is the context of that world and because we understand this politics and we understand mm-hmm. this history that they explain to exactly. us and, okay yeah so that all makes if sense you can make me believe in the world of transformers coming from another planet mm-hmm. and that they needed to come to earth to right. survive then I'm like, okay, I fucks with you. It's like, true. At least you created something that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A level of, like, em- like I feel like empathy. Mm-hmm. Empathy. Exactly. Yeah. Even, like, uh, I think about Harry Potter and, like, what the hell? The like, most <laughs> it was so but I'm just here, like, oh my gosh, like, no, like, don't. You don't, don't like go you. into that. Okay, look, I don't and, even like, know. my fave show ever of all time is Game of Thrones. And, like, obviously, mm, all time? Be- well, one of my faves, okay? It's lit. Um, it's, it's super lit. <laughs> You're like, super wait litty. on it. Wait on it. <laughs> super litty. Um, but like, obviously, there's not dragons running around in the world. Mm. Yeah. Right? Obviously, there's not like and white walkers. Shh, I'm swearing. It's a, I don't care. It's a spoiler. This is where you lost Within the context of the world, though, it <laughs> makes sense. And it's funny because like, they even like make reference to the fact that people don't believe that dragons are still a thing. And that even in that within that world, they have to prove that dragons are real, mm-hmm. kind of thing, right? Yeah. So if you can create something mm-hmm. as see, depth uh, with some as much depth as George R. R. Martin has created for that show, mm-hmm. where there's like generations and generations of Targaryens and like Lannisters yeah, and Starks, then I fuck with you because yeah. I'm just like, how could I not believe in this? Yeah. You know? yeah. Like you tell me that this lineage, yeah, is like. When this person ruled, and this person ruled, and this person ruled. Yeah. Like, oh shit, like people yeah. ruled. And, people and the thing is, too, is like people also forget how important source material is. I yes. think George R. R. Martin based uh, Game of Thrones off of some war, something of the roses, I think. Hmm. Um, it was like a, a war that was happening in Scotland or something like that, in neighboring countries. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So I think that, yeah, like if you don't have an idea, like there's, they say that, you know, art imitates life. Mm-hmm. I think you said that even yesterday. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so it's just like, like, what in the world is happening or has happened throughout history, and how can I augment that mm-hmm. to fit what I want to create? Yes. Um, and what I was going to say before, too, is, like, the difference, I think, between writing and, like, creating a visual body of work is, um, I think that when you read something or when you write something, um, you operate kind of, like, as a vessel for creativity and some sort of out-of-body experience, mm-hmm. where you're just, like, you're just, like, you're the hand and the pen, mm-hmm. but sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's coming from you, it comes from somewhere else. Stepping into this understanding or idea. The importance of reloading power into these things that seem to go away. So that's why it's almost like, I feel like that should be blessed, to be honest. Like, it's blessed, break. it's blessed, but do you feel like it's coming from your experiences? Things that you've kind of accumulated over time Maybe that you analyze from your heart, from something else. Mm-hmm whatever it is right is something that is like that kind of overtakes you like you, people can force write for sure mm-hmm. especially if you're getting paid to do it as a freelance writer mm-hmm. but um 
when it comes to creative writing, it's really, really hard to tap into that space where you're just like open and clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that as a, when it comes to translating that literary work into a visual piece of work mm-hmm. um, is a little bit more uh, of an in-body experience, I yeah. think. Where, yeah, like you are a vessel of art, sure, no problem. But at the same time, like that's the difference between, between Twilight the books and Twilight the film. Right. You're seeing one person's vision of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not seeing it as open as like a book would yeah. be, right? I feel like it's also the visual expression of things is about showing the nuance in a shorter period of time. So showing some of the things that are unspoken, that is understood in like some sort of subculture, mm-hmm. showing that in a way that is like everyone else can kind of understand it in some way. So I, I understand why you would move from writing to film or writing to, yeah, some sort of visual expression. That all makes sense. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to segue a little bit into craft because okay. you're someone who really knows your craft, even the names that you. Yeah, you're no, no, no. You're, yeah, like, you're name uh-huh. dropping, and yeah. and that, yeah. and I think there's a really practical part to what we do as creative people that is aside from just coming from within. You really have to draw from your no, environment. You to, yeah, you, really you have to know to what you're source. doing, right? Yeah. So yeah. when it comes to getting to know people, understanding what they do, um, and putting that in some sort of framework to inform what you do. What does that process look like to you? And yeah, let's start there. Well, okay, so every time someone like, every time I think about creative processes, I think of source material. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, okay, (laughs) I went to the Toronto Screenwriting Conference maybe two or three years ago, and a guy named David Goyer, he was the writer producer, I think, of Man of Steel, Batman Begins, a few other, Blade. Mm. Wow, wow. Yes, Blade, the first black Marvel character to be made a film out of. Okay. So Wait, Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Oh my god! Girl. Was that before my time? It was it came out ninety two and ninety three. Yo, that was before my time. Right? Sorry. But listen, listen, that iconic scene where he's walk where there's a rave. No, do you understand how that visual is like? Can we talk about that for a second before we talk about your question? Okay. Whoa, I have to go back and watch it. When we talk about iconic intros, I think of the 90s and early 2000s period. Blade, the intro for Blade. Yo! And the blood. No, 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 no. I have to go back and watch it. Don't do this to me. Okay, that intro and the intro for Belly. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. And if you don't know. Oh, God! I don't know, so I need to go. Because it's true. Belly is the best intro for the film I have ever seen. And because it was lit with black people and and tone and vibe vibe and and everything. You have have however you want it with a a fucking acapella. And then it becomes an after he shoots a nigga. Come on now. Come on. That's all I gotta say. He made the beautiful like a beautiful gangster film. It was so beautiful to watch. You made it artistic hood shit. It was like you had Nas and DMX walk into a strip club, and you made them strippers look like fucking insane. I never made that okay? connection. Thank I you. never. Thank you. And their Lindsay. eyes are lighting up with the context. Okay. Lindsay. Talk Art. about craft. Okay. So, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so back to the, the matter. Back to the matters. Okay. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So David Coyer was at the Toronto Screenwriting Conference, and he was talking about inspiration, and he was talking about especially when it comes to world building, drawing on source material, which I mentioned a second ago. Mm-hmm. He was talking about, for example, Batman Begins, prior to even getting to the screen, screenwriting conference, he sent out a mass email. He's like, you know what, guys, check out this comic book and check mm-hmm. out this story. 
and he was saying how like um you know a lot of the a lot of the inspiration for things comes from like cultural mythology mm-hmm. comes from old texts and ancient philosophies and allegories and stuff like that whether it's plato with those Rumi, or whatever the fuck um, and talking about allegories or Sun Tzu with the war of art kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where they have different allegories for different lessons in life mm-hmm. and drawing from those lessons and applying it to something else. Mm-hmm. So all, especially when it comes to like Batman series, like uh, at some point Bruce Wayne will, like leaves the West and goes to the East to study in Tibet and learn, you know, Zen Buddhism and all that kind of shit. It's what Shakespeare did, right? A lot to of people do. It. It's also from... that Western imperialist shit, but whatever. Everybody um, copies. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but the thing, the point is that like these characters leave like their home mm-hmm. and go to learn something and come back mm-hmm. and then i think there's another there's a writer who talks about this joseph Campbell, who talks about the hero's journey where we've seen in literally almost any film let's use hercules for example having to leave your home in order to fulfill a task mm-hmm. and then going to fulfill that task and running to certain t- uh challenges Trials, along the way yeah. meeting a girl whatever right and having to fulfill that task and you know get the iron grail or whatever the fuck it is right mm-hmm. and, and bring it back and then being a different person by the time you come back yeah. and then realizing wow. that your values have changed completely and that's just right? something that everyone can relate to yeah and it's it's it's, it's in every film that you've seen yes. king arthur does mm. it with yeah again with the holy grail like having to leave the kingdom to fulfill a task having to cross over a bridge with like trolls even in books have, pablo coelho yeah. in uh in uh, the, alchemist. the alchemist yeah that's exactly what that and was it's like by the end of that journey you are not the same person but you've gained so much that it's yes. like when you come back is it really worth it kind of thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that is the hero's journey of having to like go through the mud and the muck so you're talking about archetypes right now yeah yes okay. so i would say that but the thing is too is like all those things come from source material mm-hmm. and so he was talking about um the importance of that about like things like the epic of gilgamesh and all these like poetry things that have have um taught certain lessons mm-hmm. that can be again repeated throughout film in mm-hmm. different contexts whether it's Superman or Batman or whatever mm-hmm. so it's just like I think that that to me is yeah it's ridiculously important to like just pay attention to the world the way that you're talking is just like you are very knowledgeable okay. in things that have random shit. nothing to do with anything not not but it informs your practice but nothing yeah. to do with like not, uh, I, I don't I can't even say it has nothing to do with um like film anymore because film is literally uh, a sponge of everything that's going on around in the past Mm. the present what you imagine the future to be so it's like you have a lot of knowledge Mm -hmm. just off of literally everything that interests you I don't know if you noticed how quiet I've been sitting here (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like listening to you I'm just like holy shit this I knew you knew a lot (laughs) but like this is just uh uh I'm 32 Someone who's similar, who has a similar, I guess, work practice is what you're talking about is Bernardo Dubois. Bernardo Dubois works on a lot of sacred spaces, like a lot of churches, um, spiritual spaces, but not in the conventional way that we know it, in a way that's more modern. And he was talking about, in like a kinfolk magazine that I was reading, he was talking about his practice or his, him drawing inspiration 
from doing the work as mm. opposed to waiting for inspiration to find him. Mm. Yeah, I he was saying that. when you reach a professional level, you sit at your desk or wherever it is <coughs> and you draw inspiration from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was saying when he talks to people and they are looking at design work to draw inspiration, he's like, that's wrong. Yeah. How are you going to innovate when you're yeah. looking at designers and yeah. architects? You need to look outside yeah, of that. Outside, you need to look yeah, at yeah. film. Yeah. You need to look at nature. You need yeah. to look at uh, what your mother said to you, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're drawing inspiration from everywhere okay. all the yeah, time. Absolutely. So... I'm sorry, that just made me remember some of the things that he was saying and just about how we practice and how this is as much spiritual as it is, like, physical work. It is. Yeah. The unlived life. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. Between, between the two stands resistance. Stephen Pressfield. But yeah, I think that that's resistance is the thing that makes you it makes it really hard to get off your ass and do things. Resistance in terms of resistance of yourself or resistance of uh, alternate for, like forces around. External forces. But he, yeah. per, he almost like personifies it in the book. He does. He says like resistance, capital R, resistance is like a thing on its own that prevents you from tapping into yourself. Uh, it's what causes you to like be excessively like distracted with things when never actually mm. doing anything. Excessive fucking masturbation when you mm. should be doing that. <laughs> Excessive eating. Mm-hmm. And the it's person like, who wrote the foreword to this book put it in a very relatable yes put yes. it in a very relatable sense he talked about trying to write the foreword for this book yep. but ending up cleaning out his closet before he <laughs> lord knows i would <laughs> before he wrote the book yeah so yeah but anyways mm-hmm. yeah no that resistance book i don't know what well i, I know that like i was like Feeling something. I was feeling something. I'm just like, mm. and then I saw, you know what? Like being an Afropunk and seeing that resist sign, I'm just like, you feel like I don't know. It's just a freaking sign with like LED lights. But like I was just like, this is like, uh, this is like a reminder mm-hmm. of everything that we do living in black bodies as a form of resistance. Yeah. So I took that picture and I was just like, I don't know. I just need this for myself. But eventually, I'm gonna put it somewhere because it needs to be a, a visual <coughs> reminder, a representation mm-hmm. of like living. It's mm-hmm. interesting that you say that because I think the black bodies are not often afforded the luxury of being able to succumb to resistance. Mm-hmm. Like, um, unless you're SZA or Frank Ocean or mm-hmm. fucking FKA Twigs, like most artists have to continuously make content. Mm, to for someone you know, else for someone else in order to appease a label or some shit like that yeah. right can we zoom out for a second on mm-hmm. that note what? i don't want to bring this girl up because i don't want to give her any airplay and it's something that's been happening in the music industry for mm-hmm. a long time mm-hmm. but bad and bad baby Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm glad. Ooh, I'm glad that you don't know who it is. Um, I'm talking about the Cashmere Sad Girl oh. and her being able to sign to Atlantic Records for like a multi-million dollar deal. For a multi-million dollar deal, obviously it's not going to last. Obviously, this is all about her getting as much content out as possible, angering as much people as possible. How do you see that happen? This is stuff that's been happening for 
a long time. This is the first time that I guess they've been so overt about how they market people. I think that, okay, I remember listening to Charlamagne the Dad, and I know he's problematic as fuck. He's so I know, but I love him. But I don't know why. I, I find myself interested in some of the things he has to say. Mm-hmm. And he was roasting this girl because he's just like, why are we awarding bad behavior? Mm. This girl came out to Dr. Phil, was disrespectful as shit, was turned into a meme. Her poor mom. Her poor mom, but also, like, her mom's getting her mom's, shit together, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah true. Child. <laughs> but at the same time, like, she, before, prior to this deal, prior to her making music, she was still getting paid, like, $30,000, $50,000 to appear places. Mm. And I'm like, why is she getting paid an entire year's worth of salary for people who bust their asses doing honest and real work mm-hmm. for bad behavior. Yeah. Why? And that's like, that speaks to our culture of like supporting that shit. Um, and it makes no fucking sense to me. So like in, in light of the things that North America allows, it kind of almost makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like some like poetic sick. Yeah. I mean, way that president. So I mean, like, it is. no, but for real, it's though. a dystopic yeah. universe. So it's like, like that, that's really speaks, cool, actually. That speaks, to, that speaks <laughs> really to like that. It's almost like reflective, and it speaks to like the, the decline of our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Think about it. It's almost like this. far away to go nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, so you can award and give a multi-million dollar deal to uh, a girl that will be on the same label as people like who, who else is on that label? Uh, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah, yeah, I think Migos. Maybe I could be wrong, but like. For Atlantic the culture. Re- yeah. Isn't, isn't, isn't Cardi B on that, I think? Atlantic Records? I don't know. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I I give more respect to Cardi B than I will ever give the Cash Me Outside girl. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's true, though. Yeah, you were, ta- you were talking about, like, the resistance given to, or the opportunity for people to get a, a chance to resist, as opposed to the people who literally have to do a lot of stage work like that mm-hmm. yeah um i kind of wanted to ask you this question of like you're an entrepreneur you are i guess <laughs> you work for yourself mm-hmm. and you decide who you want to work with who very you, true. you pick you pick who you can and can't work with very true so mm-hmm. i guess my question first is like how is it working with because i feel like you've gone a complete i don't want to say a complete 180 but Prior to doing writing, I would assume that you're in a lot of white spaces. Mm. Yeah. And I kind of want to ask you, like, well, I want to ask you how it was working in those white <coughs> spaces and that transition into entrepreneurship <coughs> and you being around black bodies now. More. By choice. Mm-hmm. By choice. Mm-hmm. And how, how that transition has been for you. I wouldn't even say that I work primarily with black bodies now. Um, at least not for paid work. But I would say that like my spaces are a lot more different. So, to be honest, since I graduated, I've been freelancing, or or if it's not freelancing, it's contract work. Okay. So when I graduated, I was working in a newsroom that was also freelance. It was full time hours, um, but it was still technically freelance, mm-hmm. and that was a very white space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mean, it's fucking news. Yeah. <laughs> it was a national news broadcaster, so there's only like maybe five people of color. Of them, three of them are black, mm-hmm. or two of them are black. Right, so these quotas are not just quotas. You don't have to fill these quotas just because you need diversity quotas. Diversity comes in five. But that's the thing, though. Like when it comes to Bell Media and Shade, no shade, because I hope they hear this. Bell Media or CBC (laughs) or Chorus or whatever the fuck, they have a lot of diversity initiatives that don't actually mean anything. Like true, there are opportunities to get your foot into the door or to shadow someone, but that's all you're gonna get in that industry. And when you look at their their list of executives, it's all white, and they will never give that position to a person 
person of color, much less a black woman. Can I just so say those diversity, diversity initiatives are cute? Yeah, that's cute. That's Can nice. I just say I didn't know if it was a generational thing or what, but so many people I knew directly were working for McLean's, Vice, BBC, CBC, writing some sort of article piece about culture, mm-hmm. right, on a regular basis. <clears throat> Even if we talk about um, what's his name, working for Tro- who worked for Toronto Star, who had. Um, Desmond Cole, Desmond Cole yeah. right? And how he was able, how he was demoted because they weren't happy with his politics, things like that. It's like it was about a commodification of culture, mm. right? Someone who has a lived experience, who is able to articulate that lived experience, <coughs> yeah. then they contract that work out. Mm-hmm. They're not. You are worth so much more to those companies than they are giving you. Yeah. And the thing is, too, like, even as a freelance writer, especially as a black woman, you're you're being tokenized for a gimmick or yeah. for a time period when it's, like, they need someone to cover this from this perspective yeah. to hear that diverse voice. Yeah. But they will never hire you on as a staff writer. Yeah. And yeah. if they do, you will never... Your rare chances that you'll get editor or editor-in-chief. Can I say, though... And then, though, like, moving on forward is, like, even more tough. Like, and it's, yeah. like, the, wider you, the higher you go, the wider you go. Really. Yeah. Can it's I say, though, I really though. appreciate in all those pieces that I do read... You guys don't compromise yourself. No, you don't. Even in those spaces. So I hope you you know that, like, the things that you're writing are coming from a very honest space. I don't know what the process is like for you, but when I read it, I'm like, she didn't, she's not lying. No. This is true. That's Whether or not this is on brand for McLean's Magazine or CBC, it's like, you guys are still speaking your truth, and they're going to publish it, yeah. and... It was that's, honestly that's the important. past year I really learned, or the past two years I really learned that a lot of these big publications are getting dry as fuck. Oh, really? Mm. <laughs> when was the last time that I paid dry. attention to anything? Nobody I, read I read McLean's to figure out what university I might want to go to. That's it. They're so irrelevant, yeah. culturally speaking, that they were looking for other people <sighs> who you are younger what? and hip. But so, but the thing what? is, is like they don't even—they probably don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah. First of all, the article. Shit. Second of all, they need you. You do not need. They, they need you more than you need them. Especially when you coming out of university or being in your early twenties, you think of it as like, oh my god, thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah. But if you think about it. And it's like it's that shift in mindset, especially when it comes from being an employee to a freelancer or when it becomes like someone who is an artist who a needy artist to someone who is needed. You have to really shift your mentality to think like, wait a second, they want me. Yeah. Because of whether it's the color of my skin or whether it's my perspective or whatever. But at the end of the day, they need me. Yeah. So if you were an editor or if you were a publication, you better act right because, like, at the end of the day, you depend on those freelancers yeah. to give you content. Oh, God, if it was not on Black Twitter, what the fuck would Buzzfeed be? Oh, God damn! What would Buzzfeed be? Honest, Black Twitter? Honestly, oh, Buzzfeed. Uh, Buzzfeed, cut the checks. Heaven, send them where they're due. Some girl, some girl was just like, honestly, I'm putting freelance writer for Buzzfeed on my fucking resume because, like, they've been stealing my tweets. And I'm like, yes, bitch. Get us. Honestly, yes. BuzzFeed, cut the checks and send them cut where the they're checks. due. Thank I you. really appreciate that. To be honest, I honestly, like, we're walking billboards. Yeah. We're walking, we're yeah. walking talent. We are the sauce. We're, Thank you. We, we're, you, the you sauce. we're the sauce. We're the sauce. That's what I'm saying. We the sauce. We're Do you understand? We are the things, and that Jay Z even fucking said that. Jay Z said this, and he's like the oldest motherfucker ever. Like, we are the ones who drive culture forward. 
Can we talk about permanence then? Okay. How do you make it so that this is an infrastructure? This is something that continues ongoing. This is something that can't be eradicated. So because I look at the fader, I look at complex, just to name two of the things that I follow, which problematic. But anyways, two of the things that I follow who are trying to eradicate black culture by way of using <laughs> white culture to act as the authority over things like music mm. or fashion mm. or mm. social media, whatever. Why do I just see white when I think Why do everything I just, you just see named? white? <laughs> but like, you know, the thing is, when you say the people that control it, the people that, like, whatever you just said, um, I see white people sitting in offices, con- like, you know, doing Thinking the programming, but I see black bodies as the forefront of what they're trying to put out or as the like when you say fashion i see it on black people but then my mind automatically goes to in an editorial in a fashion show on white bodies on white models why it's it's a very mess it's a very messed up way of like i see us but then i see i don't see us from I, I think the problem is like people get um, I think we reach a glass ceiling when it comes to the whole issue of re- representation. Yeah. Because I feel like, okay, people are like, oh my god, representation, this is so great. I see myself on TV or in a doll or whatever the fuck the case is, which is great, don't get me wrong, but it ends there a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And nobody talks about who are the editors or who are the magazine uh, owners or the stakeholders or whatever. Are they black people? Who are benefiting who are from ben- it. Who's really benefiting from this? Mm-hmm. Whether, it's, whether it's the arts world or the sports world, whatever the case is, who's really like getting the last say mm-hmm. or the final mm-hmm. say, right? Okay, that makes sense. So it's just like, again, like it's a commodification of black bodies for white people. Mm-hmm. That, again, like they will market us. They'll put us at the forefront of the magazine. They'll even put us at the, at well, the, 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 the cover of the say. magazine. But who's getting the final say? Mm. You know what I mean? So that's where the permanence comes in, is who's at the very top. The very top. That's the only way to make something, any type of, I guess, display of black culture, it has to come from a black person for it Mm. to be sustainable. Otherwise, they'll put white people in as an authority. Oh, yeah. And that'll change the whole the whole vision of, of, of history. When you open a book and you see, okay, who wore, let's just talk fashion, like, who wore the sneakers best? Who was the best rapper? If you're not the person writing the history, if you're not the person who was in charge of that history, you won't be written in. They won't know. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm like, trying to understand. Like, that's not to say, too, that, like, all black magazines are the apex of integrity. No. Because, like, I mean, like, what was it? Ebony Magazine or Essence have had, like, a backlog of two no five years or so they hadn't paid their writers for certain Ooh. things i think there was like a, a thing on twitter the other day really? about the, both the writer and the photo photographer for the cover of i think ebony magazine mm. that did the interview with chance the rapper and took the picture of chance the rapper did not get paid both wow and i'm like this is a black magazine what the fuck and like, we're talking growth. about and economic uh, growth ta- in the black community. We're talking about economic growth and integrity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. I almost feel like because we are black, again, we don't you don't owe me anything, I don't owe you anything, yeah. but you should have the understanding that if you are working with other black people in, in an industry that's really cutting edge and hard to break into, you should, but that, at least you should be paying your but that's the But that's wow. the, it's, okay, so the permanence comes in, putting the people 
in the places of power and authority. But the right people. But it, the, right the right people. people. The people with integrity. The people who Not understand. the evil BET lady well, from the boondocks. Just the Sorry. people. <laughs> just the people who they understand. No, they are the black culture, but they understand white politics. Yeah. And they understand white means of going forward but, with but, business ordeals. But do you think as black people, say this is way off, do you think black people would conduct business, business the same way white people would? I think some of them do. Some mm. of them do, but is so, that conforming? Mm-hmm. So are, because are Uncle we, Toms, are you asking me? What? Are they Uncle Toms is what you're asking me? Uh, yeah. yeah, because think about it. No, 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 but think about it. We're You asked me earlier. We only know how to deal with the capitalist structure, you, you, right? You asked me earlier today mm-hmm. about, um, about shortchanging ourselves or whatever, and I said, I only... F- I only don't accept means of payment when it comes to people who I know is a trade. Your quality mm-hmm. and time is the same amount of quality and, and time I'm putting into what I'm doing for you. So at the end of the day, I feel compensated. Mm-hmm. Whatever I'm doing, I feel compensated. With I do branding and, and, and graphics and stuff for my aunt. She does my hair. I feel compensated. Yeah, that true. Hair. Last hair. <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, my friend who does photography, I'll do your logo. Whatever, Shout out to whatever, Jamil. Whatever uh, uh, template or whatever you need, I'll do that for you. Mm-hmm. You'll take my headshots and they'll be fire. Right. And I'll have them on my thing and people will still be going back and looking. I'm compensated. Yep. I don't necessarily, like, the trading system, I feel like it's something that we are... Can we, we just go back to that? Can we get rid of money? Please can't. Can we Money's trade. You know, people are already on e-commerce. People are already on bitcoms. People are past money. What are we on? What are we doing? We're past it. We're on, like they're on credit, and we're on... I'm trying to live. Listen, money we need, God. like, a global meltdown. We need, like, a redistribution of wealth. We Yo! Actual Reparations! <laughs> Stop! destroy e-corp. We need to Mr. Robot the world. Stop! Grace Space. This is to be continued. You've just listened to part one of a two-part series with Lindsay Adawo. We just couldn't take the capitalism speak anymore for this week. It's too much. It's too real. But we'll be back next week talking more about compensation, craft, writing, film, um, all those things intertwined. Um, And of course, as we normally do with Lindsay, things get deep. So come back for part two next Thursday. Thanks for listening. This has been Grace Space.